Coming to you from New York City. This week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, joined by Mike Coscarelli. Thanks, Mike. Hello, Ben. How are you? I am good. Mike, we were talking before the show. We haven't had a lot of we have not had a lot of straight white dudes on in recent shows, but no. we're filling our white dude quota. We are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from what I can tell, he's straight. Chris Laker is here. Hey, I am straight. <laughs> and uh, you know, good. but not in a homophobic way. Very good. <laughs> and uh, I am ashamed of all those things that I am. I'm not happy well, about you the be- straight white man. But, you know, we have things to say, too. Yes, your opinion is valid. Your opinion matters. And you are who you are. And God made you this way, Chris. Yes, good Lord Jesus Christ of course. made me exactly how I am. You kind of got a Jesus look going right now. You got the long hair, the beard. What do you think about new cool Pope? The new- I hate. I just want to say this. Before you get into your opinion yeah. really quick, I hate the cool Pope. Talk about I, it. <laughs> well, I feel like I should take counterpoint and say I love the cool Pope. but It doesn't even have to be a I like my. I like my Pope sending people to hell. I want my Pope sending people to hell, and I want him to be a former Nazi. Pope <laughs> Benedict was so great because you could see the dark power in his eyes. You knew for a fact he was sucking the blood of young seven-year-old boys. You know, you could see the evil. This new Pope, he's confusing me. Well, nobody liked Benedict. Right, John John Paul. Yeah, well, he was the famous one. Yeah, he was. He's the he was the the big one. Yeah, everybody loved him. Still sending people to hell. Mm-hmm. Still pretty evil. You know, he was the mastermind behind all the all the great scandals of the of the church that we know of. Oh, of course, Pope John Paul, looking like he's some sort of bizarre um, Macy's installation during the Christmas holiday, rolling around in his glass case like he's a fine jewel. It's ridiculous. And you know, the thing is. Pope uh, John Paul, he's a saint solely because he didn't die when somebody shot him. He survived a gunshot, so that means there's thousands and thousands of kids in Chicago currently in a wheelchair who didn't die when they were shot in some random drive-by. They're all saints. Yeah. I'm over this, Pope John Paul. I don't like Pope John Paul. Ronald Reagan is also a saint then. Well, I think he is as well. Okay, that's possible. But all those kids in Chicago, that's a lot of saints. With uh, hard-to-pronounce names, probably. It's a whole other gang. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If you've been shot, now you're a part of the Saints gang. Oh, that's a great gang. It is a great gang, and I would like to join it. But please, I don't want to be shot. Maybe you can shoot me in the toe. Who Fitty, needs a toe? Fitty set? He's, he's a, a saint. He's a, he, what a saint. <laughs> the world's greatest saint. Yeah. New Pope. Anyway, the reason I brought it up is because he's on his world tour. Tour, I believe he's uh, back in he's back in Central America. He's from Argentina originally, and uh, he came out and he said, "Unfettered, uh, uh, unfettered um, capitalism is the dung of the devil," which I thought was kind of a funny sentence, "dung of the devil." But then I went and I googled the him. Devil's poop. It's the devil's <laughs> dookie. Yeah, the dung of the devil. I mean, that is one fun sentence to say and it also sounds like a hell of a metal song like pantera like next song coming up dung of the devil and rick santorum must be very torn up because well he, he his he's uh he loves the the devil's poop he loves the devil's poop everybody loves the devil's poop but because also- you know what the devil's poop does buys you a car you have a it- car no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of low on dov- devil shit right now. Um, if I could just get my dung of the devil up, I would be so happy. Currently, I owe a lot of devil's shit to uh, Citibank um, and to uh, and to Capital One. Oh, uh, you you could Greek that. Yeah. Yeah. I should just. I'll call up Capital One and be like, I don't owe you ten thousand no, dollars. Don't actually, call them. No, don't call them. Don't call them. You just don't. You just don't pay them. But then they call me. I get a bunch of phone calls oh. every single day. Well, here's what you do. 
you uh, you change your ringtone to something fun. <laughs> you have an enjoyable, and then every time they call, I have Christian rock, you know, and uh, and then it, it, I have like this great Christian. And then when they call, I just like I just laugh. Oh, I see. You know, That's and good. then I don't answer. Maybe I'll have uh, from the WWE the uh, the Undertaker's entrance music. Maybe yeah. I'll have that play every single time I hear a phone call from Capital One. And every time like a bill collector calls like that, they're always they because no one picks up. Who would pick up? Right. And I put. But I they always up. sound shocked on the voicemail. They're like, "Hello, hello, <laughs> are you there? What what happened here?" And they're not very smart people, I don't think, the bill collectors. Of course not. They're people who, they're they're lower than uh, uh, ticket uh, meter maids. They're lower than meter maids. Yeah. At least the meter maids got to walk around in the hot sun or the uh, or the cold uh, winter weather. They got to trudge around and suffer a little bit. These yeah. people just sit on their asses in some random place in Texas in an air-conditioned uh, apartment building living the American dream. You know what the Pope said about bill collectors? They're wiping Satan's butthole. Isn't that something? <laughs> Bill collectors are the toilet paper. I, I, I'm liking, I'm liking this Pope. New Pope. Everyone, lo- but anyway, I like Devil's Dung. Dung of the Devil is funny. Yeah, I went online and I googled, uh, you know, Vatican gifts or whatever. It's re- this man going against capitalism, though. The irony is just unbelievable. First of all, he's the CEO of the world's largest pedophile ring, and then he, uh, yeah, but that doesn't make any money. He, they do that for that, the love. That's all. He's all part of the child sex ring. It's, it's nothing pro, but money. It's pro bono. Yeah. Yeah, it's pro bono. He's just a nice, he's a, just a yeah. good lawyer in Harlem. There's a business on the side of all that. That's I not see. a, you know what I mean? To, to call him out over capitalism with the, the child rape, that's not fair. I, I just feel like there's a lot of money being made in the child rape. Who's getting paid there? I don't know how it works. I mean, you could coyotes. say, where are the kids coming from? I mean, if we learned they show anything up from for Batman all, they, Returns, they show up. The, the kids they're just altar show up. boys. Oh, I see. I see. I they're was an altar, altar boy. boy. Yeah, and nothing, nothing. And that's kind of insulting, isn't it? You know, even as a kid, though, I I remember one day I had to go to the the, the rectory where the priests live. They should. With they got to rename that. By the a, way, the rectory <laughs> is a little bit. <laughs> All these names are coming together. Yeah. Altar boy, rectory. Call it priest house or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I went there with another altar boy, and I remember, I didn't say it to him, but I was thinking, I ain't going upstairs with this dude. And that yeah. was way before they made it, they publicly said, I would think if I was a Catholic priest in 2002 when they started, yeah. saying, I'd be like, what? what's, what's your problem? I've been doing this forever. Well, that's where the confusion Nobody- lied. Everybody was fine with it. You made jokes about it, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I could go and meet the press and defend it. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah. we rape children. <laughs> this is what we do. We are priests. Yeah, Jesus. I know. I know it. I know it must have been really, really shocking to those pedophile priests who were doing it for 50, 60 years, and then all of a sudden, now it's bad? Now you tell me? It's like yeah. how I feel about sugar. I've been slamming that stuff yeah. down my uh, down my gullet for years, and now all of a sudden I watched a documentary called Fed Up, and it turns out that's why I'm so fat. Ah, sugar's so good. Mm-hmm. Or it's sugar. like the Confederate flag. Sure. Like, of course it's racist. We've been f- it's, we're racist state. What's the problem? <laughs> we don't like a bunch of people. That's the, We want the flag up there for that. Yeah, I and then know. they're like, ah, oh, we better take it down. It is confusing for the poor South Carolinians who were just like, what happened? Yeah, we were racist uh, yesterday, and today, I guess, we're no longer allowed to be racist on state grounds. Uh, But really quick, back to the capitalism. I Googled the priest Vatican gifts. You can't get anything for under 150 bucks. They're selling holy water, which is just, what, it's just like 
It's just vitamin water that they said words over. If they even did, there's oh, no proof that it's holy. That's from the tap. It's just tap water. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just selling it. And the thing is, with religious uh, items like this, it only poor idiots buy it. It's the people who have no money that spend the 200 bucks as opposed to going to uh, the doctor to cure the cancer that their mother has. They go and they buy some stupid Vatican gift thinking that it's going to cure her. And in reality, it might quench their thirst. But I don't even think they drink the damn holy water. I think they spray it all over their bodies like a bizarre bath. Yeah, you don't drink the holy water. No, you don't drink. So what the hell is the point of it? So this Pope being like the dung of the devil is capitalism is absolutely hypocritical. Yeah. Thank you. I have a Pope uh, snow globe. I like that. That was that was cheap though. Yeah, and, and that, I'm sure it's Pope John Paul. He liked to be surrounded by glass. Yeah, it was, it was Pope John Paul. Gotta be. When I went to I, I went to the Vatican, it's pretty nice. How was it? It's, they got a lot of good stuff there. Isn't that this, and you should see the ceiling? It's huge, huh? They got that uh, the painting, Leonardo da Vinci. Yes, was it him? Yeah, hmm. yeah, the uh, creation, the, the Sistine Chapel. Yes, I went to that. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, yeah, can't get enough of it, huh? You got to pay to get in. I think. See, that's ridiculous. It should be free. All Vatican should be free. All religious things should it's be their free. Their own country. They're ridiculous. I don't like Mussolini. Them. Gave them like uh, some kind of deal. Cool Pope is bothering me because now everyone's like Catholicism is good. It's still anti-gay. It's anti-women. It's anti-everything that's good. And uh, I just don't understand why Cool Pope, who's slightly, slightly nicer, and he went and he changed in a Burger King. Did you see that story? No. <laughs> he went, he was hanging out in like, I, I think he was in Argentina again, like I was saying, Central America someplace. And uh, he, he couldn't find a, a room to change in. So as Mary gave birth to Jesus in some bizarre, you know, what, what was it? What was the name of this place? Mary gave birth to Jesus. In a barn. Mary, yeah. Yeah, in a barn, right? Yeah. Anyway, the new Pope changed in a Burger King <laughs> bathroom. What, he, he, he got out of his... Uh, Pope, I don't know what uh, he was like wearing before. Costume and put on some sweats. What no, he... he was wearing the sweats, and then he and then he put on uh, the Pope costume. He had to put on the robe and the hat and the. Yeah, I, I mean, even the costumes. You gotta. It's like we don't even question it. It's so crazy. They've just done it for so long that yeah. we're like, yeah, whatever. You Swear. are a king, I guess. You live in a castle and you He's have got a thing. Robes. Yeah. He should have changed clothes at a subway. They love pedophiles. That's a Jared Fogler reference. No, they. I don't think Subway had anything to do you with it. You don't that. think that Subway drove Jared into uh, child lust? And it was child pornography, which is not as bad yeah. as child rape. Yeah. Well, usually on this show, we just do more of a regular interview. So let's start that. Where are you from? <laughs> Where am I from? Uh, I grew up on uh, Staten Island. Jared Fogler. What about? Do you think he's a child pedophile? Well,. Why do you think it's so funny that he, he, if he is, it's hilarious for some reason. More funny than any <laughs> other spokesperson. If any other, if it yeah. was like flow, flow yeah. right? Or the, can you hear me now, guy? Yeah, well, I think he's, oh, he that looks would be like funny. a pedophile. Yeah. That would be funny. He too. would be a good one, though. Yeah, I yeah. think it's just because Jared looks like such a doof. Right, right, right. You know? It's always those guys, though. Yeah. It's those guys whose body looks like bread pudding. It's yeah. the, it's the uh, it's the soft uh, dudes with the creamy center. Those are always the pedophiles. I mean, I just thought that Jared. I knew something was wrong with Jared. His though. body takes the shape of whatever clothes he's wearing. It really does. Yeah. It's much like my body. <laughs> Dude, that guy made such a killing on that whole deal. Dude, he crushed it. All he did was lose 
a couple of what lost 150 pounds and then he got to be a spokesperson for a sub subway sandwich company that makes terrible food he didn't have to do jack shit he just stood there and hold and held up bigger pants than the ones he was wearing Did you ever think about trying that no Since no you lost a, get some fat pictures of you and say you ate quiznos oh my god <laughs> Woo. I want I'll I do that and then I try to fill in my uh, to try to get back into my large fifty six pants. I love a good Quiznos toasted sub. Fifty six. That was a fifty six, my friend. Wow. Ooh wee. That's like a special store. Oh yeah, I used to go to a place called um, let's see, I think it was called like Hufty's Huskies. Either way, no, it was uh, big and tall, extra extra large. I think that's what that was the name of it. So you knew what you were going to get, and then the size of my. Um, Suit jacket, for example, was a 54 Portly. I was a 54 Portly suit jacket, which I thought that was kind of an offensive name. But. Portly. Well, portly you know, sounds uh, dignified. I got a couple of different fab. Yeah, Portly? Eh, it sounds like I'm an, uh, an animated character who just, like, uh, ate somebody's lamb off of a uh, cartoon farm. I feel like that's what they would they, they would call President Taft. Oh, I mean, Portly. He yeah. There's a good story about President Taft. You know, he was so fat, he got stuck in the tub. Oh, yeah. They had to get him a new one. I don't know if it's true or not, but I like to believe it. It was. I would love a good fat president again. I'm sick of these skinny presidents. You can't get a well, Christie maybe. No, there's no way. And also, he's desperately trying to lose weight because it's sad. He just needs to just be fat. Once you're fat, never go back. Being fat is so much more fun. People identify you as a sensitive, caring figure who has emotional eating problems. If he lost weight. And got elected, he would balloon back up as soon as he got back in. Of anyway, of course, I mean, he's just sneaking in. It's like Obama pretended to quit smoking cigarettes. Why bother? And the White House recently had a picture released where he was holding a pack of cigarettes, and the White House was like, "That's not cigarettes. Why are you lying about it?" I think he should smoke at the podium. I think I agree. I want an ashtray up there. I want I want some coffer's lung coming up. I would love it. I, whatever your addiction is, just do it in public. I well, wish he's, he's got such a great voice from the cigarettes. He should, get, he should attribute it to the cigarettes. I want Nixon up there with a with a little glass of scotch and uh, you know mind calm for whatever reading he was doing <laughs> that week. I mean, I want to know what these presidents are up to. But I talk about that on my show, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat on Cave Comedy Radio. Um, you also have a great show on Cave Comedy Radio called This Week in Jackin'. Yes. And you do that with Micah Fox. The yeah. show knows Micah very well. And um, how, uh, so you've heard a lot of stories about jerking off and things like that. Yeah, what well, people masturbate to is the focus, but we de- definitely get in. Technique comes up. You've been yeah. on the show. I was on the show. I felt like I gave a fairly good interview. But, you yeah. know, what about uh, what's one of the m- m- most interesting techniques that you've heard so far from your experiences on This Week in Jackin' on Cave Comedy Radio? Well, there's a lot of early, amongst men, there's a lot of early humping. I guess everybody, yeah. men and women, start out humping things right. a lot of times. So that's interesting. And then uh, there's a, there was a guy talking the other day. I think it was, I don't even remember if it was before we started recording or not. He said a friend of his would just bat the top of his, the head of his penis. Like, it, like a bat micro. It. Yeah. Is this on? <laughs> yeah. Is this on? And One, did that, two, three. And thought that's how everybody did it. Huh. Like, they were all sitting around talking about masturbation. He's like, you know, when you're uh, tapping the old... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had no idea that everybody grabs it and yanks away. Right. Does a much more elaborate process yeah. than just tapping. I mean, the sensitivity on the head of this man's dick must have been astronomical. Yeah. Well, I guess if once you... Uh, there's a little, probably a lot of psychological stuff there, sure. too. But, uh, you know, there's all sorts of different ways and things that people like. A lot of there's a little people out there that like 
still use their imagination, which yeah. I find amazing when you have yeah. all these other things at your disposal. I love some good imagination. That's I think that's the best way to do it. Mike? I, I would agree with you. Patrice O'Neill has that great bit mm-hmm. where he says uh, he's gotten to a point in his life where he only has sex now, was when he was still alive. He only has sex now so he can have something to jerk off to later. Oh, right, because yeah. that's really the gift that keeps on yeah. giving. That's perfect. Yeah. Anyway, Chris. Yeah. Um, I'm an alcoholic. You used to be an alcoholic, but now you're not anymore. Yeah. Not, I have not drunk in a while. But you know what? I've... I've I've taken to smoking marijuana. Yeah, how much do you smoke? Too much, probably. Yeah. Do you feel like it has a negative effect on your life? No. No. That's you love the, it. that's why that's why I don't even know if it's too much. I feel like if it was an actual drug, people would be mad at me. Right. 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 And it's like something you can do daily. Yeah. I mean, with marijuana, I'm not high right now. But I mean, at you the could en- be. at the end of the at the end of the day, right. when I'm done doing anything. I'm not going to be on stage or anything after I'm done right. doing comedy. I don't go on stage because I, I don't feel like I perform as well. Mm-hmm. You get a little high. Sure, why not? Absolutely, but you don't feel compelled to do it when you wake up in the morning. We got a good friend, Ed Larson, from the Round Table of Gentlemen that you can find on Cave Comedy Radio as well. Uh, he smokes first thing. I would like to, but I know I wouldn't get anything done. Right, I can't do anything when I'm stoned. I can't, uh, I can't write or anything high. Right, I've tried and it doesn't work. And you never get the panic attacks. Sometimes I get panic attacks when I'm stoned, and I'm just like, "Look at these tits! What am I doing with my life?" I try to flex in the mirror, nothing happens. The whole thing's a nightmare. Yeah, I get that a little bit. Right, it makes you wonder why you keep doing it, but you know, you keep on going. You need to shut down the old brain. You got to right, but as opposed to alcohol, which makes you feel uh, a little bit. You know, better than better than uh, the average person. But then, of course, the crash, the hangover is always a nightmare. There's the hangover. And if you get too drunk, right, that's a nightmare. You get too high, you're quiet for a half an hour. Sure, sure. You know, you just can't, like, I, f- I fell down one time because I got too high. But uh, You fell down because you were too high? I f- yeah, I actually just, like, fell down onto the ground. Like, from a standing position, <laughs> ended up on the ground. Oh, that'll happen. That happened to me a couple times. But then I just leaned against the wall, and about a half hour later, I, I went home. Right, right, right. You were out in public, huh? Got too drunk. I pee on things. Sure, yeah. I uh, crashed cars. Right, right. Well, I crashed a car. Yeah, you. well, you stopped drinking at, what, like 22 or something? 21. At 21. So you just you hit it hard for, what, six months and then stopped? I started drinking, uh, I guess, when I was 12. I did, too. And was going at it pretty hard from... I maybe fourteen. I'd start doing everything at twelve. I was doing drugs and drinking and everything, and I was getting high. You were doing drinking, speed, yeah, almost like as much as possible. I right. don't know if it was every day at that point, but as much as possible. More probably drugs because they were easier to get, right? Than alcohol. You had to steal the alcohol. So this was weed and like uppers and stuff like that, oxy, we, all that. I never did. I, I don't know what pills I took, right? Because they would just be like there. Uh, Angel dust. I remember doing angel dust, where it was what you call wet. You know, wet. Yeah, it's like uh, or you a boat. You put it's like a, a cigarette yeah. that's like it's got like liquid PCP or whatever the heck it is, and you smoke that. They, that would just drive you crazy. That's yeah, it pr- that's probably like... really bad for you. Uh, I did that. How many times did you do that? I don't know. It was like in eighth grade. You, you would just. I remember being in eighth grade, and there was like a kid that sold drugs. Yeah, and you would just get what he got. And right. that would be, you'd be like, I have this. I'd be like, fine. 
you know. Yeah. So usually it would be marijuana or hash or something, mm-hmm. and or acid or whatever. And then, uh, but then there was this stuff that was around for a little while, and I didn't do it past probably eighth grade. But I mean, that's an interesting age to start doing angel dust. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. You, it's weird because you, you get really good at like. That's I think if I like next I didn't smoke pot even for a long time I stopped doing everything and then right. pot kind of eased its way in. I was able to do so much stuff high when I was like a, like thirteen, like you could talk to teachers, you right. could do homework. I wrote a book report like on Angel Dust that got an A on it. Wow! But I was in reading class; they weren't expecting a lot. <laughs> but I didn't read the book. Right. I had to call somebody to ask them about the book. Yeah. That's you a know. smart way to do it. I mean, my school, as far as reading, the only time I ever read was during a Pizza Hut lunch program, which in hindsight is completely corrupt and awful. Pizza Hut infiltrating the schools even more, well, not quite as much as they have now because now Pizza Hut's just served for school lunches, and that's why all the kids are fat, and they're all going to die. Not now. Michelle Obama put the brought the hammer she down. She didn't do anything. Um, oh, what the, what's with all these, these pictures? Everybody's like, thanks, Michelle Obama. All I get is... Half a hot dog and some like and a cracker. Kids are eating worse than ever. Pizza is a vegetable, according to the U.S. government, because it has, it has a tomato sauce and tomatoes are vegetables, that, even though they're actually fruit. That was Reagan. Good God! No, that's under uh, Obama. She oh under the new thing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought he that I, I thought he did that. But that was like a thing he did too. But oh, it could it be. makes sense. It, but tomato is a vegetable. It's or a it's fruit. A, Oh, it's a vegetable-like fruit. It's 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 riding the it's riding the line. <laughs> it is. It's a it's a it is a uh, it's it's in transition. We'll just call it a vegetable. Yeah, it's in a salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I it hangs out with vegetables. Yeah, it's a vegetable. I I'm, mean, I'll, I'll guilt by association. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about what Reagan did, but that's you should come on Abel and Stop it. We'll get political with it. Oh sure. Um, but yeah, with Michelle Obama, just really quick, what happened with her is that entire Let's Move campaign was bought and paid for by Coca-Cola, by, uh, you know, by big junk food businesses. So the whole thing is just another marketing scam. Kids oh, are just yeah. Oh, I totally buy in. It's I nonsense. totally believe that. I, and the I, government I, has an invested interest in, in children's obesity because it's for, yeah. uh, the, the pharmaceutical companies are throwing them all this garbage, all these lean cuisines and snack wells. All It's all nonsense. Well, I have like no proof of that beyond you just saying that to me, and I'm going to repeat it as fact. Repeat it as fact. Because Every time I anybody know. brings it up. Yeah, I, I know these things. I, I do a lot of research. But I, I want to go back to uh, eighth grade uh, uh, doing angel dust. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, uh, did your parents suspect that you were doing one of the hardest drugs in the history of the world? No, they didn't know. I don't know why they didn't know. I think my mom didn't want to know. My dad, right. he's a dad. He's not. He's doing his thing, you know? Right. He's working, coming home, watching TV. And my mom, I don't think she, either she, she's very naive to drugs and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So I was able to pass it off pretty good. My brother would always get caught, but he was stupid. And I would see him, what he did. And not do that and not get caught. This was an older brother, I would yeah. assume? Yeah, my older brother. So he was the one that was always getting caught. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, there has to be one person taking the bullet. So they literally were just like, we cannot even entertain the idea that our younger Chris is doing drugs like uh, like the uh, older brother. Otherwise, yeah. they would just be extremely depressed and feel like they were failing as parents. I think that has something to do with it. It worked out really well. Because I was also smoking cigarettes that whole time. And I'm... and. My mom would act like she didn't know I smoked cigarettes. I, I must have just, I can't imagine 
at like a kid smoking. I would just stop smoking cigarettes like a half hour before I went home. Yeah, How yeah. does that not just reek of cigarettes constantly, and just yeah. say, "Oh, it's my friends" or something? Right, right, right. Yeah, you're the you're the tomato. I don't smoke. I just hang out with a bunch of smokers, and then yeah. they're just like, "Oh, okay, that's fine." But you still must. It's like you got to know that. Got to know, but. Yeah, I feel like my parents were the exact same way because I started drinking at 12 years old as well. Was there a specific, was it like, did you drink uh, because your family life was uh, dramatic? Because I always had a very um, uh, exciting childhood with my brothers and with my parents being so evangelical. And my dad had some, he was a German, he's a German immigrant. So you know how those people are. Right. Not known for their uh, kind, uh, for their kind approach towards negotiation. <laughs> I mean, I guess the family probably when I was a kid the the guys hanging out on the corner drinking beer, smoking cigarettes and like selling weed. Yeah. Where the fuck they were just the coolest dudes I've ever seen. Yeah. I wanted to be those dudes. Like I I always thought the scumbags were the coolest. Right. I wanted to smoke cigarettes since like I was a child. And I would like want to and I wanted to do all that stuff. So I thought it was cool to drink. And so, it turned out it was. It's it very cool yeah. and fun, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be good at it, so I, I did a lot of it. So those old PSA messages that would always showed somebody running and then falling down or something like that, and then it was always tagged with, nobody ever said I wanted to be a junkie when I grow up, but you actually did. I did. Yeah. I did. I thought the idea of also, because a writer or artist or yeah. whatever, you thought the idea of being like a real drunk, like a, like walking around during the day still like just like sneaking sips of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. gin, which I did. And I thought it was cool at the time. Nobody else thinks it's cool. When you're drunk during the day, you right. feel like you are a party. I'm a walk. I'm a party that's walking around here and nobody appreciates it. Right. People right. are like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, you know, at 12. At 20, 21, other 20, 21 year olds are looking down at you saying, What's wrong with you? It feels pr- it's like, what are we supposed What yeah. are we supposed to do? You got to just come on into the bash. The disco ball's rolling, flip off the lights, and let's have a good time together. Yeah. Bunch of squares, it sounds like. Yeah, I didn't have enough cool friends. Yeah. I'd still be drinking today if I did. That's the major problem. That's it. So, I mean, I, I'm with you, though. I, I, I always. You know, kind of, kind of backed into. Uh, I had the fantasy. My idol growing up was Chris Farley, and uh, you know, I knew for a fact about his drug exploits. And I used to Google. I used to this before Google. Uh, just go online, and there was like three fan pages. You know, back in the day, like this is like 1994. Right. Uh, the internet was just like it was like three pages that you could find, and it was you know the downloadable porn. Everything was much clunkier. And I would just read all about Chris Farley doing drugs and drinking, and I was just like, oh, that's what's going to make me funny if I eat a bunch of unhealthy food, do a bunch of drugs, and drink. But in reality, uh, you got to take some improv classes. <laughs> you know? Like, really, it, I mean, it's not. But I think there is that kind of, like, back-in confusion of just like, well, I'm going to start with the addiction, and then I'll get the talent. But there is still, I still see, like, a romanticized thing with it all. In what but, way? In media or just in uh, with with in people life. that you know? In when, life, when I'm because you know we hang around with some some debaucherous folk, yeah, and like that that are around, and I, I see people like that do you know doing drugs and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, because I'll only smoke marijuana. I won't because I don't believe that's a drug. But I won't. And sometimes I'm like, man, maybe I should just go all in and just like right. this. Just it's, you know, like something about like the outlaw, mm-hmm. like kind of 
you you know, just getting really crazy, and it just seems cool. Flushing your whole life down the toilet. Yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. Eventually, you gotta. Then the thing is, you go to rehab. If you can do it right, and go to rehab, right now you're a hero. You're very strong because you had all this fun, <laughs> and decided to stop. Yeah. Did you end up actually going to a uh, a facility like a I rehab? did? You did. I did. I loved it. Yeah, rehab is so. I suggest it to everyone. Just as a vacation, you don't yeah. even have to stop drinking. No, I yeah. I this is my. If anybody has like a job that they hate, yeah. If you're like in an office job that you hate, just don't do. Just watch Netflix. Do whatever you can to not work for as long as when you feel like the hammer's about to come down on you. Just like. Go in and say, I have a drinking problem. I need to go to rehab. Right. They can't fire you. They you can't, can't do be- nothing. You go you go to rehab. You chill for like a few weeks, whatever your insurance covers. You get to hear all these great stories from, from, from women just getting off heroin. Yeah. You know, it's the best. And at what point do you have to join a fight club? A fight club? Yeah. Why, why would you have to join a fight club? Isn't that that, that movie's all about uh, rehabs? Right, you get addicted to the rehab cycle. Oh, he's going. He was going to meetings. He was going to meetings and, that, and meetings and meetings. Yeah. So, but a rehab isn't just a, an extended meeting. You actually get. What did you go to? There's like a, meetings in rehab. Sure. Now this sounds like a nightmare to me. You got to. You got. Do you have to cry at the no. meeting, or you don't pass? No, you don't have to do anything. You could just sit there, and 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 maybe you, listen. You probably have like a couple of hard luck drunk stories if you're a regular person. Right. You bust those out. You say I've hurt people, whatever. You, you just play the play the part, but you just get to chill, man. And nobody yeah. can contact you. No one can bother you. You're cut yeah. off from the world. Man, that does sound kind of fun. It's great. Did you go to a Passages Malibu? No, I went to New Jersey, oh but it was God. still pretty nice. I went to this place, Carrier Foundation in okay. Bellamy, New Jersey. It was a nice joint. They, like Celebrities had been there. There was none there when I was there. I forget who mm. was but it was a nice place. They had tennis courts or whatever. I didn't play tennis, but yeah. uh, the food was decent. The you know, was, I didn't have a roommate for most of the time. How were the chicks, hot huh, ladies? Or? Some hot, there were some hot ones, yeah. Yeah, and they were shattered, so yeah. I mean, you had a real chance with them. I didn't, but somebody they hooked up. You, 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 it's very forbidden to have sex or in there, and they'll throw you out. Oh, I see. But people still had sex. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't they? What was it that, that finally led you to rehab? Was it some catastrophic event, or is it just, because I also know people who just sort of like, it's just been five, ten years, and I'm just like done with it. No, you know? yeah, I crashed my friend's car into a telephone pole in the Bronx as in college, and I was like, man, it, I can either be like this, the jerk that crashed this guy's car, yeah, or the hero that went to rehab. So I was like, right. go to, I was like, and people were telling me like, you got a problem. You should go to meetings. You stop drinking. So I was like, I'll make this a dramatic thing. Go to my parents' house. It's Mother's Day, you know, and uh, uh, and, and uh, my head's all smashed up and everything. I'm like totally like, and I'm still like drunk and, and right. say I got to go to rehab. And uh, so I went. Yeah, and then you you avoided any sort of um, jail situation. I would assume. Yeah, no, Thank not n- everything. It was my friend's car. Right. I stole it, but it was his car. I took his keys and just went driving around for no good reason. He must have been pretty upset with you. Yeah, he was mad. Yeah. <laughs> but he got over it. it yeah, right. at the end of the day, it's just a car and a telephone pole. Yeah, it was it wasn't even it wasn't a great car. Yeah. And uh but he was uh he was all right with it. 
and yeah. we I've talked to him since. Whereas, you know, the reason that I started drinking so young was because, I mean, it sounds cliche, but we had a hell of a time. My friends and I, were, we were, it was full of laughs. Half the time, we all ended up naked. It was crazy, and I don't know why I say that, but that's very true. Um, it was just, we would just go and, like, freak the fuck out, get drunk in the woods somewhere, do nothing but have fun, and it was a really good bonding experience. Oh, Dude, so drinking in the woods is was the best when you were like seventeen. Dude, it's Holy awesome. Holy shit! You know, especially if if the cops like we literally used to just drink in a field. It just it was yeah. called the field, and it, or you drank in a place called the dead end, which it was just a dead end. And of course, three out of you know ten times cops would show up. We'd go hide in the woods or whatever, but it was a great time. Cops chasing kids that are drinking. Yeah, I mean, lowest form of life. Oh yeah, I mean, you're such a, you're you're you're, you know, nothing nothing but respect for law enforcement. But you're a piece of shit if that's your job. Yeah, I mean, we you can have less than respect for law enforcement. I will say the city uh, here, New York City, under Mayor Bill De Blasio, is uh, full of vagrants and homeless people right now, Uh, more so than ever. But that's actually not because of the cops, and I'll talk about this in detail on Abe Lincoln's top hat. That is because they shut down. Uh, like three-fourths of the city's mental health uh, facilities. Mm. So it's really not because the cops aren't doing the cop work they're supposed to be doing. It's because the city shut down all the loony bins and sent everybody out to the streets again. There's a couple other reasons, too. But What are they? Well, the city council decriminalized uh, a couple of small offenses. Yeah, the like broken windows. The yeah, 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 basically all the broken window stuff is right. decriminalized. Uh, so you know what? The city could use a couple of broken windows. When I was- I, honestly, that's funny you say that. I saw, you know, just on the way over here from the L train, I was on the L train, which is the hipster train, which is full of very mm-hmm. beautiful people. And there was a, a woman splayed out uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the bench, and she looked terrible. She was haggard, and she was just sleeping, having a hell of a nap. And uh, next to her was a beautiful uh, chick, you know, all dolled up, perfect tits, the whole thing. And I was just so happy. I was like, great. <laughs> Welcome to New York. This is, I want the L train to be dirtier. Yeah, no, but if the the windows keep getting broken, Bushwick is not going to be the haven that it is. No, but it also but, may be affordable. Yeah, it's true. No, that's dude, you know when Dinkins was the mayor of New York, it was yeah. like it was it was like children elected him. It was almost cuz you could do it you could go into a bar and drink as like a child like they would not stop. I don't know how young you had to be. 18. It, hmm. No, I mean it, the, the drinking age was 21, but you could be I think like a 16-year-old kid. Sitting right. at a bar. Sure. And I think like, under Dinkins it was 18. No. No? No, they, that, I mean, it's been 21 since I don't know when. Yeah. Well, I know, when my parents were growing up in the city, it was 18. So, um, I mean, that was, I think that, was Dinkins, is, Dinkins is in the 90s. I know that Wisconsin was the last state to, uh, to raise the age from 18 to 21, and I think it was during the 70s. I'm not sure the exact year but what was happening was people were driving down from chicago getting smashed in milwaukee and driving back and then they just called it like dead dead man's highway or something like that because there was just a bunch of dui accidents so the federal government was going to pull their highway funding so they made it 21 there was an episode of family ties that they were going to wisconsin to go drink hey all right family ties was nailing it yeah but anyway so uh but whatever it's it's like they didn't nobody cared about anything people were smoking weed everywhere and drinking in public, you have, you keep it in a bag. You have people drinking. I was like, guys on my corner just drinking, like right. on the street. And you were a New York City kid, right? Well, I mean, Staten you, Island, right? 
but then I went to I went to middle school in the village, so I I had friends that were city kids, and I right. would stay at their house. But I moved out of I moved to out of the city when I was when I was like thirteen, because my my parents moved to suburbs of Philadelphia. Oh, all right. So then it kind of turned to that's when you get into like all the weird stuff because those kids are crazier. Than anything, because well, they're out and the, they got nothing to entertain themselves. Right. At least the city kids could go to the movies. Right, right, you know right. I mean? <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, fall. that's what you, you. Those are kids that torture cats in the suburbs, and <laughs> and inhale shoe polish or whatever. You know right. what I mean? It's like it's like it's it's craziness. Yeah, out there. honey, why do you have all this shoe polish? Your shoes are <laughs> filthy. I don't know. I don't know, mom. I mean, we just go. You know, you you you're 13, 14 years old. You just go into the. The, the cabinet and just start inhaling things, hoping something gets you messed up. Right, 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 right. So you would say that overall in your uh, suburban kids versus city kids, suburban kids, ironically enough, much crazier and much more into heavy drugs. Well, they're into, like, weirder stuff. I think city kids are more like, they're just like grown-ups. Yeah. They, they just, they're very, they, they go, they all get high and do stuff, and they're probably having sex at an earlier age. But sure. Maybe like a couple years earlier, they're gonna smoke. They're gonna smoke pot like a year before some suburban kid. But I don't yeah. think they're gonna get into this weirdest stuff. Yeah, w- w- the first time I ever had sex, I followed the letter of the law, and I was eighteen years old. Were you? A, were you? A, uh, I was also a very late bloomer. I was six foot seven, and I had three pubes. It was very <laughs> odd, awkward, and uncomfortable. I was seventeen down the Jersey Shore, but it was the only contact I had with. It was the first time I kissed a girl. Okay. And I didn't have sex again for like till I was in college. Yeah, so you weren't really into the uh... women. I was, I was, I was chubby and yeah, I had no confidence and I, I didn't know how to talk. I, I think I thought it was all about me being like like overweight, but it was really about me having no confidence and probably my standards were too high. Oh, okay, I see. I was not always very the, low. Not with the girl that I actually had sex with, right? But then. I would be worried about what other people would think about who I was. It was I was just an idiot. No, that's classic. That's and even classic. in college, I was too much of a drunk. I would get too drunk every time. Right. Even if I was doing well with a girl, I'd get too drunk. It wasn't until I was 21 and I stopped drinking, I really figured out how to like talk to girls and mm-hmm. be like comfortable. Yeah, alcohol really is, you know, people talk about how it's fun to, uh, you know, go out and get drunk and uh, and have sex and stuff, but really... Uh, sober sex is uh, a little bit better. At least once you, you got to learn how to do it before you can do it drunk. Same thing with driving. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you got to know your limitations. Some yeah, some people drive so well when they're drunk. I used to always, you know, I was one of those idiots. I drive better when I'm drunk. I used to drive all around Wisconsin. I would go from Milwaukee to uh, Menominee, Wisconsin. It's about a four and a half hour trip. I just do it throughout the night. Had a great time. I was in a yellow Geo Metro convertible, listening to REM. Only the classiest stuff. You ever uh, you ever get busted? I got a DUI one time when I was 19 years old, and I was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I was hanging out with my friend at college, and we were driving through the college parking lot. And ironically, that night I was like, "I'm not going to drink. I'll be a sober uh, driver." I had three beers. I blew a point nine, and uh, man, they treated me like I just shot Kennedy. It was crazy. I had to go down to the jail, the whole thing. Um, but that was my only DUI, and ironically enough, that was one of the most sober times I've ever driven drunk. Uh, if you can take that sentence for what it is. Does that mess you up trying to leave the country? I hear people get messed up trying to leave the co- just go to Canada if they got like a DUI. No, it was fine. I mean, yeah. what, 19? Uh, so I'm 33-year-old now. I think it's, uh, I think they stay on your record forever now. But, you know, 
it's uh, my friend in college, dude. He had a terrible story, and that's why we're all very, very lucky. Um, he ended up accidentally killing a kid, and uh, he's in prison for 25 years. Nightmare story. But this yeah. kid that he killed was also drunk. He ran the the kid ran the red light. He t bones him, and uh, and then there was a DA race in this small town of Wisconsin. Nothing happens in this town of Wisconsin. So there happens to be a DA race. One dude needs to stay in power, and he wants to uh, you know be the law and order district attorney of blank town Wisconsin. And uh, so, of course, they just throw the book at him, and he became the poster child for uh, for drinking and driving because he killed some random kid who was also drunk. That's Wisconsin that for you. That should cancel it out. I think it should cancel. Drunk driver hitting another drunk driver. It's equal. Yeah. They were both drunk drivers. It's, it's what what uh, what sexual assault and abuse is to women in Cleveland is what drinking and driving is in Wisconsin. I re- that's a reference to Ariel Castro. If you remember when, I think it was it the Jesus, when she ran out of Castro's apartment, she ran into the arms of a guy who was a, called a hero at the time, and then the people Googled him, and it turns out he's a felon for spousal abuse. That's Cleveland. In, in Wisconsin, <laughs> if you get into a car accident and you're drunk, there's a great chance the other person is drunk as well. They should just have drunk hours. At the very least, you got lucky just hitting a pole. Yeah, no, I was, and I yeah, I I, I my judgment when I was drunk was very poor. Yeah, because I I wasn't like a good drunk driver, and I wouldn't I would drive for no reason. It just seemed like the worst thing that I could do because right. you're, you're told not to. I'd be like, what's the? I just became in it like a, a psycho. When I yeah. was drinking, it's not good for me to drink. I, I won't. I will never drink again. Yeah, that's good. Some people can. Uh, some people, you know, it really is just. It's a. It's a. It's a. Um, it's really just. It's a physical thing. It's a body thing. Like yeah. some people's body chemistry can uh, handle more alcohol than other people's. Yeah. You know. You do great. I mean, I've made my fair share of mistakes. That's for damn sure. But also, I don't want. I don't like to drive. I wouldn't. I would never be inspired to go do something more dangerous. I would go to the movies. You know, yeah. I like to be drunk at the movies. That sounds oh, that's, really that's, fun. That's that safe. That sounds good. I like hanging out with a lot of people that are sober don't have any tolerance for drunk people, but I like hanging out with drunk people because they are yeah. having a good time, and I like yeah, to have a good time. Or they're super depressed crying over in some whiskey, which is also kind of fun. You know, it's kind of fun to watch that side of it. I've seen a few of that, Yeah, and I, I don't mind. I'll talk you, somebody down. You can, like, yeah. can pep talk somebody. You can be the savior, and you have the past experience, so you can really get in there and relate to what they're going through, but then also, you're the hero who went to rehab. Yes. What did you go to college for? Well, I ended up graduating with an accounting degree. I went for communications because I thought I wanted to be a filmmaker. Then I dropped out of school and PA'd on some movies or whatever, Yeah. and then I went back to school for account And just like, you know what, I'm going to – because that's like a crazy – world accounting no uh like like film production yeah yeah yeah. it's like you know these like long days and very abusive like atmosphere and there you can make a lot of money if you stick in it long enough but uh it's like i'll just gonna be like a regular dude i'm gonna be an accountant so uh i went and got an accounting degree so why did you decide on the accounting degree would did you sort of blame the arts for your past addictions and stuff like that and were you just like you know it's when you have a like when you have a girlfriend and things aren't going well in your life you're just like it's got to be her fault and then you break up and you're like nothing's changed i guess it's my fault did you were you just like i'll do the rehab entirely i'm just gonna go have a normal life but then of course in reality you're just like i i hate this yeah once i got i was just like i was uh it was more of the uh, the difficulty of 
like looking at what it takes to become like a filmmaker or having like a life like that, I was like, man, this is too hard. If I become an accountant and just become a normal dude, right. everything will be chill. I'll get married and live in the suburbs and that'll be fine. And I was, it, I got yeah. worn down by the, by that job, I guess for like, like real quick. And I was, and once I became an accountant, I was like, this isn't for me. Well, I, you know, I started doing stand up right before I graduated from college mm. And then I was like, oh, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. Because I always right. love stand-up, but I, it's hard to, I, I didn't think I could do it. I was like, oh, this is the thing I right. want to do. And then it was like, now I'm an accountant. And then, I don't know. You I, know, it's so funny because I hear you talking right now, and it reminds me that being an entertainer is not a choice. It is just like, I knew I wanted to be an entertainer when I was five years old. I have no idea why. I just knew I wanted to do comedy. Like, it's not a choice. And the way that you're talking is very similar to when you hear about um, gay kids growing up. And they're just like, I just wanted to be straight, so I played football, and I did. I had the hot girlfriend, and I just yeah. wanted to have the normal life. But then, you know, 22 comes calling, and they're just like, God damn it, I've got to break free. So you're like, I'll just go become an accountant. Everything will be normal. And then, sure enough, you end up on stage regardless. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, even as a kid, I loved comedy. I used to listen to my dad's, like, old Bill Cosby, like, Al. Yeah, those sort of faded away a little bit. Well, but... you know, at the time, we, uh, yeah. this is, uh, and I'd watch, like, yeah, when I watched TV, I wanted to be on TV. Right. I wanted to know famous people. Mm -hmm. I want. I don't know, there's something about that. I, and I, But I loved comedy, and I definitely wanted to be a comedian, but I would, I just, the idea of saying, I want to be a comedian, to me, was, like, was just terrifying. Yeah, yeah, because it's an abstract idea. So when you start doing comedy, everyone's just like, who the fuck is this jerk off? And yeah. you've got it. That's why everyone's like 5, 10, 15 years. You've finally given enough of your life to the craft where people are just like, okay, I guess. I guess he's just going to. It's like when I think with my parents after my brother got married uh, to Don, I think they finally accepted or realized that he might be gay. You know, they're <laughs> like, I think he might be gay. He got married to a dude. You know, but at least, you know, that, and that's why I want to get, uh, you know, like a late night special or something like that. So at mm. least then you're, everyone's just like, well, yeah, I guess he's a comedian. Yeah, he just didn't stop doing it. And so he's got a credit now. And yeah, I guess it all makes sense. Yeah, that's how they get us. They want us to, we, we, we're always looking for that validation from right. these people to, so we can show our family. Right, right, right. And uh, as opposed to just doing what we love and mm -hmm. worrying about just being good at it. Yeah, that's why I was on Fox News Red Eye this past Monday, and I'm going to be back on August 3rd, so check that's that great. out. You were great on there. Thank very you very funny. much. You and Andy Levy uh, going back and forth, I thought it was great. I think he's very funny. I love Andy Levy. It was yeah. so, and I was meeting my stars. I, you know, I'm a big news junkie or uh, entertainment news junkie, which is what Fox News is, and uh, so it was fun to watch, or to see everybody. But that was validation. You know, my parents, uh, they have friends. My parents don't watch the uh the show because they're sleeping at nine o'clock at night, but my parents' friends watch it. So now that my mother, my mother sent me a message saying whatever her name was, mentioned that she saw me. So that was validation. It made me feel really good, even though it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, if your parents are proud of you or not, but it's nice to have it. Yeah, like when I the, I was like on the Artie Lang show when that yeah. was on Direct TV, and my parents saw that, and they were just like, and I don't know why. I was on there either. You're you know, a star. He's just like, but he's like interviewing me. I was like, you know, it was great. It was like, yeah. But yeah when your parents see you do something, it's uh, it's, it's very, very exciting. Yeah, Artie is a great guy. Oh, the best. One of the nicest guys. I had a great dinner with him one time. With uh, it was him and Jeff Ross, and I was there with Eddie. He's the one who brought me. 
Mm. And uh, I got a I got a good zinger in, and they laughed, and it was the greatest validation I've ever had in my entire life. Making a celebrity that you respect laugh, there's no feeling like it. Yeah. It's the best. Do you still have that same desire? Do you still have the same, like, when you see a person that you really respect, you're I'm, do you feel like you're in awe still? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It never goes away, right? No, no, no. I'm always, when, if I, because we, there's the, the people we see all the time. Like Louis C.K., we see all right. the time, right? But uh, even the L.A. people, we don't see all the time. So if I saw, I'm trying to think of like uh, somebody that I could see that would. Now a lot of them are dead now. Like I right, saw, right, well, right. I remember I saw Joan Rivers mm. like at the Cutting Room, like working. She used to do it like once a month, like work on new jokes at the Cutting Room. And yeah, I was like in awe. Or uh, you know. It, one time, uh, this is when like five years ago or six years ago, I met Bob Odenkirk, and that was very yeah. exciting to me. You know, the first time I ever saw a guy named David Cross, I was a big David Cross fan, still am. As a matter of fact, our mutual friend James Adomian and uh, uh, James Adomian and uh, the, oh, there's so many people, uh, Kurt Braunohler, they're in his new David Cross's new movie Hits. You're right, yeah, which is very good. But the first time I saw him when I got here about nine years ago in New York City, I was in the Lower East Side. He was walking with a gal, and I tracked him like he was a deer. And I was a bizarre hunter, and I was covered in uh, deer urine because that's what hunters do. So I rubbed, uh, you know, uh, camouflage all over my body. I tracked him down, and I just gave him like a huge hug. And uh, I'm sure he was like extremely awkward. I'm a massive man, and he is not very big. But hopefully I helped him uh, get laid. Not that he needed any help getting laid, but I was just like, you're my inspiration, all this corny shit. But I love that I did it, and I I did the same thing to Louis Black when I saw Louis Black in Milwaukee. When you see these people that you listen to on a regular basis, in reality, it makes you feel great. I saw Bill Murray on the street once. I didn't bother him, but I really wanted to. Bill Murray would have stayed at your house for a week. He was talking to a, like a, a pretty woman. So oh yeah. Like I'm not gonna interrupt. Yeah. But he he I wanted so badly just to be just like thank you and walk mm-hmm. away. Uh, How about you, Mike? Have you met somebody yet other than Chris Laker and myself? <laughs> uh, no. Who have you met in comedy that makes you feel super like uh, damn man? I'm almost making it. Like I'm almost making it. Who have I met? I don't know if I've ever met anybody. Like I was on that roast with Metzger. There you go, Kurt Metzger. He's and I, right, yeah. I didn't get a chance to like actually like talk to him just because of the way things were working out. But like when I was on that roast with Metzger and like Voss and a bunch of those guys, it felt like holy shit. Yeah. I can't. I'm like, I'm kind of doing it. It's a good that feeling, right? For, yeah, it's insane, man. Well, it's like when you first get to New York and these guys. When when I, when I first uh, started doing comedy in New York in. I started I started in Philadelphia because that's where I was going to college was yeah. around there and then I was there six months and then I was moving back to New York anyway and I uh, came back and uh, started doing comedy at like and you walk around and you see these people that you watching on Comedy Central all the time. See Todd Barry walking around. Right, right, right. Or you're just even people that were like on premium blend yeah, yeah, yeah. then or had presents. Yeah. People that did half hours on Comedy Central to me I thought were rich and famous. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely. That's one of the things that gets shattered pretty quickly once yeah. you come to New York City and you see. Uh, oh no, no, no! They're just they're just uh, at the at the bar getting three dollar Budweisers and PBRs like everybody else. But dude, it Which is, is crazy. That- Even when like you did Red Eye uh, this week, I was just seeing pictures of you on Twitter on Fox News. Like, holy shit, Ben just did Red Eye. 
Yeah, it's cool. It's it's crazy to think that like yeah. a peer of yours is yeah. is doing is doing television. Exactly. It's great. I mean, look at Henry Zabrowski, who yeah. I did the last podcast on the left with. He with all he's all over the place. He's a legitimate he's a star. celebrity. Yeah, he's a star. Well, I mean, when he, this hero show comes out, it's gonna be he is Right. I mean, he's already a like a star. He's got right. his own show and he's was on uh NBC, but I mean, heroes, that, that seems so gigantic. So basically, just to wrap up the entire, we don't usually talk about comedy so much, but I'm happy that we did. If you want to be a comedian, go out there and do it. Move to New York City or L.A. or hell, you can even, I, I don't know, you can do it anywhere you want to do it in, real, uh, in reality, but uh, it, it's real. And when you get to meet these people, it's just something, it's just, just, it's just a job. Yeah, It's a job and you can do it. It's not uh, the impossible dream when you're on television or when you're watching television to get onto the television, uh, you can do it. You just got to be smart and don't burn a lot of bridges. And, you know, the most successful people that I've found are just extremely nice. Hmm. They're yeah. extremely nice and they just work really hard and uh, they're great. And they, and they do appreciate when you tell them that you're a fan. No one will ever be upset when you tell them that they love them, that you love them. No yeah. one will ever be upset. That's the thing I had to learn because I always feel like I, I used to be this thing. I was like, I want to be cool. and act Yeah. Like, and then... I realize, oh, when I actually tell people how much I enjoy their work, just you know, do it quick. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. They, they like feel a little more at ease. You're right. I mean, don't you don't necessarily have to do what I did and track them all down. No, um, that's probably not. Maybe a little creepy. I might have been a little bit creepy, but yeah, I don't regret it one bit. And David Cross still remembers me. Does not, but that's fine. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, all right, Laker. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, let's see here. So you got a whole bunch of different podcasts. You got This Week in Jackin. This Week in Jackin. You do one called Heteronormative. Heteronormative is, uh, yeah, it's another one. You go to chrislaker.com, everything's over there. Nice. And, uh, yeah. This Week in Jackin is on Cave Comedy Radio, yes. so make sure to check that out. And, uh, let's see, you have, what do you got going on? You got anything happening? Uh, well, I have my show that's every right. Wednesday at 10 p.m. at the Creek in the Cave. And, okay, that's called the the show. It's called the new show now. The I new said, show. I said I, I, was, I wanted to change the name, so I said the new show. Boom. Yeah. And I love I'm it. sure you'll be on there somewhere in the near future. If, if, if I don't have you on the schedule, I'll put you on it. It's a ASAP. great show. So check that out at the Creek in the Cave at 10 p.m. every single Wednesday. The new show. It's new, and uh, I'm not sure if it's improved because it was perfect to begin with when it was just the show. Yeah. Um, you can find uh, Chris Laker on Twitter, at Chris Laker, right? Yes. All right, good. And, then, of course, Mike, you can find him on Twitter, at Mike Coscarelli. Listen to Mike's podcast, Social Villains. And, uh, Mike, how is everything going with building the, uh, the podcast network? Oh, it's a big headache. All right. Yeah. That's, that sounds like you're doing everything uh, correct. Uh, Laker, anyone, let's just say that somebody wants to stop drinking. Any advice or stop doing drugs? How'd you do it other than the rehab? What's the mental thing real quick? You just got to want to do it, I think. You got to want to do it. Yeah. Once you want to do something like that, the same thing like quit smoking. or It's like once you're like, I'm done, mm -hmm. then I think you can do it. And if, you, if, you, if you're hesitant, just keep going. Yeah. And uh, eventually you'll be done. So you just hit rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. You'll know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've hit 18 rock bottoms and I just keep on digging it deeper. It's great. Um, all right, everyone. I'm at uh, Ben Kissel on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook and uh, all those things as well. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.